Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. God. Once again, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. If you haven't already and you're watching online where you can comment in the chat, go ahead and comment in the chat, say hello, and greet our Connect team and the other faith family that's already posted below. Go ahead and say hello and comment, say what's up. We just want to know that you're watching and we have a chance to connect with you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, reading from the New King James, says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The phrase have Dominion means to rule and to subjugate. The phrase have dominion means to rule and to subjugate. Remember, this is verse 26. Let them have dominion. And then God spoke to them and told them, have dominion. So the word phrase have dominion means to rule and it means to subjugate. It means to rule. And it means to subjugate. Notice what God said. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. And then he spoke to them in verse 28 to fill the earth and subdue and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So tonight we're going to focus on this phrase, have dominion. Go ahead and put it in the chat. Say, have dominion. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, have dominion. One more time, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, have dominion. This phrase, have dominion, means to rule and to subjugate. So let's give some definitions to the word rule and to subjugate. The word rule means to exercise ultimate power and authority over. The phrase, the word, the phrase to rule or to rule means to exercise ultimate power and authority over. Rule means to exercise ultimate power and authority over. Subjugate means to bring under domination or control. Subjugate means to bring under domination or control. Once again, subjugate means to bring under domination or control. So have dominion means to rule and to subjugate. Say rule and subjugate. Go ahead and say it out loud and put it in the chat. So it means to rule and means to subjugate. Come on, one more time. Say to rule and to subjugate. So to have dominion means to rule and to subjugate. It means to exercise ultimate power and authority over, and it means to bring under domination or control. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 9, laying the foundation for where we'll be going tonight and possibly on Sunday in the next few weeks. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, New King James once again. It says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made 
every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now I want to point out that this word garden means an enclosed garden. It's a fenced in garden. Now you fence, when you fence something in, there is a limit to this garden, but you fence it in or you enclose it for its protection. So this garden had an enclosure around it. It was fenced in. And this goes into what we'll go into later tonight and later on in the series. But this is an enclosed garden, a fenced in garden. It is a huge garden, as we talked about before. Now, Genesis 13 says this garden was well watered. Genesis 2, 6 says a mist went up from the earth to water the garden. Now, let's keep going. The New Living Translation says it this way. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God placed within the garden what they needed for sustenance, trees that were good for food. So it was good food. It's delicious food. But also just enjoy. There were trees he made in front of the garden that were just good to look at. They were beautiful. They were pleasant to the sight. Now keep going. Verse 10 in the New Living Translation. It says, A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, and then divided to four branches. So remember, there was a mist that went up out of the earth to water the garden. And then God placed a river in Eden, that would also water the garden, and it flowed from Eden, and it divided into four branches. The first branch was called Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of the land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Ashur. And the fourth branch is called the Euphrates. Now, we know exactly what the Euphrates and the Tigris are. The other two are up for debate, and we're not sure if they still remain because of everything that happened after the fall and the flood and et cetera. And if they do, people aren't aligned on which river it could be. There's multiple different ideas. But the two rivers we all know are the Tigris and the Euphrates. Now, one thing about the Tigris and Euphrates, these are ancient rivers. They were very important to the ancient world. You know, between these rivers caused great civilizations to grow because it made the lands where they were fertile. But these weren't any small little rivers. These were major, important rivers. And these were just two branches of the river that flowed from Eden. So imagine how well watered, how well sustained the Garden of Eden was. Verse 15, New King James. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. This word tend means to cultivate. Come on, say cultivate. Put it in the chat and say cultivate. This word tend means to cultivate and it means to work. This word tend means to cultivate and it means to work. And then it says, and keep it. The word keep means to guard it or to care for it. The word keep means to guard and to care for. So the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to guard it. Verse 16 and 17, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So one of the things I want to point out, we'll dive in deeper later, is after God gave them their assignment, after God had placed them and provided for them, and empower them through the blessing and granted them dominion, he gave them his command. And of course, the enemy came to question the command. But I want you to notice that it came from the beast, that it was the beast of the field that came up to him. So he came from out of the garden. Remember, the garden is enclosed. So he came into the garden. Now, the thing was, 
Adam would have been already familiar with this particular beast or living creature. And it's not, this word beast just means something created, something that's alive. That's what that word means. Adam would have been familiar with it already because Adam named it. When you go through chapter two, see that God brought all of these animals, everything that's on the planet, brought it to Adam and Adam named it. So this creature would not have been strange to Adam, but Adam knew where it belonged. But one of the things is that also lets you know that Adam had dominion over it. He could have told that creature to leave. He had dominion over that creature because he had was given that dominion by God and it was his job to cultivate the garden and to guard the garden. And part of guarding the garden was to keep this serpent from saying things that were against the command of God. Let's go back to Genesis 1.28. Once again, New King James says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The word subdue means to bring into subjection and to keep under. The word subdue means to bring into subjection and keep under. The word subdue means to bring into subjection and keep under. The original assignment was to cultivate and guard what they had been given and to expand their domain over the entire planet. Remember, the garden that covered the entire earth. The garden was a specific place. It was a very large garden. It was huge. It was an enclosed garden. It was a fence garden, but the garden did not cover the entire planet. That's why their assignment was to cultivate and guard what they've been given and then fill the earth and subdue the earth to bring everything on the planet under subjection and to keep it under. They were given dominion over the ground itself and over all the things in the air as well. If you do not operate in dominion in your original assignment, in your starting place, you will not be able to expand the areas of your dominion. Your authority is not random, as you've heard me say before. Your authority is connected to your assignment. Listen to this. Your assignment has expansion potential. Your assignment has expansion potential. However, you must use your authority and cultivate and guard what you've been given. Because if you don't cultivate and guard what you've been given, your assignment will not expand and your dominion will not increase. If you do not cultivate and guard what you've been given, your assignment will not expand and your dominion will not increase. You must, these four things, you must rule, you must subjugate, you must cultivate, and you must guard. Four things, rule, subjugate, cultivate, and guard. Let's put that in chat and say it out loud. Say rule, subjugate, cultivate, guard. Say rule, subjugate, Cultivate, guard. One more time. Rule, subjugate, cultivate, guard. You must rule, you must subjugate, you must cultivate, and you must guard. You are able to do all of these things through the authority that has been delegated to you. And in the same way Adam was delegated authority, you have been delegated authority in Christ Jesus. Now go with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. We lay the foundation for where we're going tonight and where we'll go in the weeks continuing. Talking about delegated authority and the authority we've been given. Romans 5, 17. New King James says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through one, so Adam's sin, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Death reigned when Adam sinned. Now the thing is, the reign we have goes above the effects of Adam's fall 
because of what we receive through the finished work of Jesus. Now notice as you're able to reign based on two things, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Now you receive the gift of righteousness when you are born again. When you are born again, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, say it out loud, put it on the chat. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. One more time, say it out loud and put it on the chat. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you are born again, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is your standing. That is who you are. It was a gift. You did not work for this righteousness. This is the righteousness that comes by faith, as the scripture says. You received it. You believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you were made righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you receive this gift, and this enables you to reign. But notice this. The degree of your reign or your rule is determined by how much grace you received. Because righteousness is the gift you've already received. But the degree of your reign or your rule is determined by how much grace you receive. Because it says those who receive abundance of grace. Notice it didn't just say receive grace or some grace or a little bit of grace. Abundance of grace. Go ahead and put it in the chat. Say abundance of grace. You're taking notes. It's a good part to write down. Say abundance of grace. See, in your daily life, you must position yourself to receive more grace. There's grace for your everyday life. There's grace for your family and your relationships. There's grace for your calling and your finances. There's grace for every area of your life. And God gives more grace. Let's look at that scripture. Go to James chapter 4. God gives more grace, and that is good news. James chapter 4, verse 6. Because if you receive abundance of grace, you'll be able to rule. If you just position yourself to receive a little grace, your world won't be as effective and your assignment won't be able to expand and your dominion won't be able to increase. Remember, you must rule, you must subjugate, you must cultivate, and you must guard. So we're going to talk a little bit about rule tonight. James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. But he gives more grace. Thank God. Therefore, he says, or as a result, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God gives more grace. So if you want to receive more grace, you have to be humble. Well, what does it mean to be humble? Does being humble saying you're some horrible person? No. Biblical humility is yielding to God's way, yielding to God's plan, yielding to what God has to say. So if God says something, you agree with it. No matter what culture says, no matter what the government says, no matter what whoever's popular or trending says, if the Bible says something, you said, I decide to agree with the word of God and I humble myself. I humble my mindset. I humble my mentality. I humble my philosophy. I humble the way I've been trained, how I've been educated, how I've been taught, how I was raised. And I humble myself and I bring my high level of thinking and I bring it down to what the word of God says. Because if you don't, you're think, you'll elevate your thinking above the word of God. And the word of God says this. You say, well, no, I think I should do this. You're not being humble. You're becoming proud and wise in your own eyes. We talked about that in Proverbs and in our faith in the morning this week. And being wise in your own eyes is setting you up for destruction and missing out what God has for you. But when you humble yourself and say, you know what? I know I thought this. I know I was told this. I know this is trendy. I know this is popular. But you know what? I'm not going to follow that way of thinking. I'm going to take that mindset and submit it to the word of God. And every time you do, you position yourself to receive more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
So because he gives grace to the humble, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The level of authority and dominion you walk in is greatly connected to your submission to God. The level of authority and dominion you walk in is greatly connected to your degree of submission to God. The level of authority and dominion you walk in is greatly connected to your submission to God. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's take some time tonight and look at different ways to position ourselves to receive more grace. So we see number one, you position yourself to receive more grace by yielding to God's ways. Number one, you position yourself to receive more grace by yielding to God's ways. Especially as it's correcting you, have lived a certain way for so long, and the word of God says, don't do that, or to do things this way. Like, oh man, it's a change from how I've been living, how I've been taught, my lifestyle, my habits. But you may have said, you know what? Although this is inconvenient, although this is tough, although this is hard, I'm going to stop doing this, and I make a decision to turn from the way I've been living. That's the word repent. You turn from the way you're living, live God's way. When you make that decision and you yield to God's way, you receive grace. And as you continue down that path, you'll receive more grace because God gives more grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap also sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. You position yourself to receive more grace through generosity. You position yourself to receive more grace through generosity. One more time. You position yourself to receive more grace through generosity. Number one, you position yourself to receive more grace by yielding to God's ways. Number two, you position yourself to receive more grace through generosity. Remember, you must rule, you must subjugate, you must cultivate, and you must guard. In order to rule, you must receive an abundance of grace. If you want to rule or reign in this life, you must receive an abundance of grace. You've already received the gift of righteousness, but you need to put yourself in position to receive more and more grace every single day so that your rule is effective. Remember, we said the word rule means to exercise ultimate power and authority over. So if you want to exercise ultimate power and authority over, use that wonderful name of Jesus that's been granted you that we talked about for over a month during midweek. If you want to use the authority that's in that name, you must yield to God's ways. You must submit yourself to him. You put yourself in a position to receive more grace so that you can use your authority effectively, not just trying to use the name of Jesus and the authority to be given as some magic word to get stuff to happen in your life, but no, because you've submitted to God's ways. You're operating in the grace of God. When you speak and that authority, things have to bow because you are ruling, exercising the highest level of influence and power in your life. It's connected to your assignment and allow your assignment to expand, to grow, and your dominion to increase, fulfilling the plan of God for your life. Let's keep going. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. So just a few chapters over. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, will I rather glory in my infirmities or rejoice in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
One of the definitions, 20 different definitions of grace, one of the definitions is the power of the Holy Spirit, that explosive, miraculous power. And so Paul is defining what grace he's talking about here by saying the power of Christ. So he's saying, my grace, my power is enough for you. It's sufficient for you. It's a wall for you. My strength is made mature and perfect and complete in weakness. Whose weakness? Paul's weakness. Paul's like, I, you know, this is, I'm not able to handle this on my own. This is a tough situation. He dis, he. He lists the tough situation he went through and said, Corinthians 11, and he just had enough of it. He says, I can't deal with this, you know, deal with this thing. The enemy is causing it. God, I want you to deal with it. And God says, I've given you grace. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So they're saying he should just put up with, no, he's giving you grace. I've given you grace, and so now you can deal with it. Remember, the grace empowers your rule. He says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Because of the powers on me, I can deal with it. Not only can I go through it and win, but I can deal what's behind it and walk in victory over the enemy. So how do I position What does this teach us to receive more grace here? You position yourself to receive more grace through praising God, even in the middle of tough times. You position yourself to receive more grace by praising God, even in the middle of tough times. And I'm not talking about praising on Sundays, even though that's good. I'm talking about every single day. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Oh, Father, I'm grateful. You find something to be grateful for. You find something to thank God for. You find something to praise God for. You find a reason to say hallelujah. You find a reason to say hosanna. You find a reason to lift up the name of Jesus. And you do it throughout the day, not just in your morning time of prayer, but you find times different through the day. Father, I thank you for this. Oh, I thank you for this. Because when you're developing this habit of gratitude, of always giving God praise, always giving him glory, honor, and praise, and living a lifestyle of a praiser and a worshiper, you're setting yourself up to receive more grace so the power can rest upon you. It is this power that empowers your rule and enables you to walk in victory. So number one, you position yourself to receive more grace by yielding to God's ways. Number two, you position yourself to receive more grace through generosity. Number three, you position yourself to receive more grace through praising God, even in the middle of tough times. Go with me to Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Beginning to wrap it up, let's go to Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Well, here's a very simple one. How do you receive more grace? By asking God for it. Oh, he's so good. He's called the God of all grace in another scripture. And his throne is called the throne of grace. And so you come to his throne boldly because you belong there. The reason why you become boldly is because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It gives you standing to come boldly before the throne of grace. It allows you to obtain mercy and find grace to help. So well, what is grace to find here? The ability that you need to help. The assistance you need. Remember, the Holy Spirit is your helper and the assistance he provides. So whatever situation you may find yourself in tonight, find yourself in this week, like, I need help. You come boldly to the throne of grace and you ask God, Father, I need help. I need wisdom. I need assistance. I need your grace in this area to help me in this situation. You come to him and you ask in faith. Remember, James 1 teaches us anytime we come to God, we ask in faith. Because we don't ask in faith, we're not going to receive what we're asking for. But we've asked in faith, believing we receive what we ask for, we will receive it. So when you ask God for help, you receive the help. And a lot of the time, the help he gives is through the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of grace himself who lives on the inside of you. So to receive that help, you need to listen on the inside. What is he leading you to do? Where is he giving you peace? Where is he giving you a check? Whether, where is he giving you instruction? You follow the leading of the Spirit of grace and he'll tell you exactly what to do. 
And so another way to receive more grace, position yourself to receive more grace, is coming before God because you are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus and asking for grace to help in your time of need. So don't just let the time when you come by and say, oh, I'm just going to handle by myself. No, no, no. You ask God for help. You ask for his assistance. You ask for his wisdom. You ask, well, how should I handle it? Even if it's a situation that you've dealt with so many different times before, you take some time like, sir, I'm planning to handle it this way, but is there another way you want me to handle it? Sometimes they just keep doing what you know to do. Other times they say, I handle it this way. What are you doing? You're at, what we're looking at Proverbs 3, read in our time of reading last week. You're acknowledging him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. So, so far we see you, receive, you position yourself to receive more grace by yielding to God's ways. You position yourself to receive more grace through generosity. You position yourself to receive more grace through praising God, even in the midst of tough times. You position yourself to receive more grace by asking God for grace. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. You position yourself to receive more grace through growing in the knowledge of God, which will enable you to yield to his ways. You position yourself to receive more grace through growing in the knowledge of God, which will enable you to yield to his ways. So the more time you're in the book, more time you're reading the word, you're listening to, you're coming to midweek experience. You're coming on Sunday. You're in faith in the morning. You're listening to messages throughout the week. You're reading at least one chapter of the Word of God every single day. You're reading, you're studying, you're applying, you're researching, you're diving in the scriptures. You're learning more and more about God and not just having the head knowledge. You're actually applying it and you're walking with them. You're talking to them. You're asking for his wisdom and his guidance. You have a relationship with him. You spend time praying in your understanding. You spend time praying in the spirit. You're doing all these things we've been teaching you to do and you're growing and your intimate knowledge of God. You're growing in revelation and understanding. All the times you're doing this, guess what? Grace is being multiplied to you. And what happens if grace is multiplied to you? You're in a position to receive an abundance of grace. And now your reign and your rule will be effective. So let's go over these few things one more time. You position yourself to receive more grace by yielding to God's ways. You position yourself to receive more grace through generosity. You position yourself to receive more grace through praising God, even in the midst of tough times. You receive more grace by asking God for grace. And you position yourself to receive more grace through growing in the knowledge of God, which will enable you to yield to his ways, which sets you up to yield to his ways again and go through this whole thing again. So you continually receive more and more and more and more and more grace, which will empower your rule. Because remember, he says you must rule, you must subjugate, you must cultivate, and you must guard. Well, praise God. We're going to stop there for tonight. We'll pick it up next time. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you share with us tonight. Help us not just be hearers of this word, to be doers of this word, to be blessed in our doing. And so we can grow and increase in grace, and we can rule and reign in this life. So that we can fulfill our assignment, walk in authority and dominion and expand and increase in our dominion to fulfill your plan, your call upon our lives so we can bring more people into the kingdom of God. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.